When they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle, and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them, and brought the donkey and the colt and laid their coats on them, and he sat on the coats. Most of the crowds spread their coats in the road, and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road. The crowds going ahead of him and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Palm Sunday is when we celebrate Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And just five days later, he was crucified. We see the importance of these events in verse 4 of chapter 21 that I just read. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. And then, he is declared the king. Verse 5. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you. Everything exists for him, for this king, and for his glory. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. And we also see that everything we have, all those things that he created and has given to us, are actually his. They're simply loaned to us. At any time, he could call us to give back to him what he has given to us. Let's pray that the Lord will use this word now in our hearts. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you sent King Jesus. Father, we pray that we would remember that we ourselves were made for him, by him, and for his glory, and that all of the things we have are on loan from you and that we are to use them for your glory until you require them of us. And then we are to give them back to you with thankfulness and contentment. Heavenly Father, we think of those who have been required to give up loved ones this last year and even this last week. We think of Kate's uncle and 
the rest of her family. We pray for your grace and comfort for each of them in this time of sorrow. Father, we think of those who are traveling, who have been called away from home at this time and are waiting on you, looking to you for safety and for health and blessing in their work. We pray that you would grant them these gifts. And Father, now as we celebrate this Palm Sunday that my words and the thoughts and intentions of every one of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So what do you have that the Lord has need of? What do you have that the Lord has need of? For some of us, our first inclination is to say, nothing. And of course, if we wanted to justify that theologically, it wouldn't be hard to justify saying that we have nothing that the Lord has need of, because there is nothing that he needs from us, right? And yet, isn't it true that we have been commanded to give certain things to him? We have been commanded to provide for him the needs that he has. In this case, we read of the donkey, right? And so the donkey is owned by somebody else, tied up some other place, and Jesus sends his disciples. And what are they supposed to say if somebody asks them? They're supposed to get the, they're supposed to get the donkey, right? And then it says what? If anyone questions you, you're to say, The Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. Well, what I want us this morning to remember is that we should respond the same way that they responded. When the Lord has need of it, whatever it is, we should respond with that same immediate okay, they didn't delay, they didn't hesitate. The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. And so I return to my first question, what do you have that the Lord has need of? Now there are a variety of reasons why some of us may be inclined to say that we don't have anything that the Lord has need of. But all of those motivations are sinful. 
They come out of wrong thinking. And one of the first mistakes that we make is thinking that what we do have is worthless. Thinking that what we do have isn't good enough. And therefore, it's useless to God. But what that demonstrates is that we don't have a proper understanding of what the Lord has given us. The gifts that God has given us are not worthless. We are simply ungrateful. If we ever think that God has given us worthless gifts, what that demonstrates isn't anything about our gifts. It demonstrates something about our ungratefulness, our unthankfulness. And so when we make out the gifts that God has given us as useless, then what we do is we make God out to be stingy. Do you understand? He hasn't given me enough good things for me to even have anything to give him that's worthwhile. The second mistake that we may make is in thinking that God wants us to give something amazing to him. Well, I mean, I have this, and I'm, I'm grateful for it, but it's nothing for God. Right? Well, and it's true, it is nothing for God. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Nothing that we have is needed by him in that sense. Right? But if you heard that the king of glory was going to enter Jerusalem, the capital of Israel, in a triumph, what would you expect him to ride? A stallion, right? Maybe in a chariot, but at the very least, you've got a big horse there, right? Instead, God chose to have a donkey be his ride. Now, what does that tell you? Well, you'd never think that he would be able to use your simple donkey for something so amazing, would you? We think that we need to offer amazing things because he's got amazing things to do. Don't stab yourself. Now we think that a simple donkey couldn't possibly be used for a triumph, right? And yet God used a simple little donkey for his triumphal entry, for the entry of King Jesus into the capital city. So where else do we see this play out? Well, do you remember the story of the widow's might? Jesus is watching people giving, and it's all these rich people coming and pouring the money into the Pouring the money in. And then a widow comes and she gives her two pennies. And Jesus says what? He says that she's given more. 
right? Well, in a sense, you could talk about the percentage of income and, and that sort of thing. And that's true. It's given a larger percentage of her available income. But the question is, what can God do with the widow's might? Or what can he do with the thousand talents that the rich man pours in to the temple treasury? God can do the same thing with both of them. What can God do with a lowly little donkey and with a stallion? God can do the same thing with both of them. He can use both of them for a triumphal entry into the city, even though you'd never think he could use a donkey for a triumphal entry. Even though you'd never think that he could use the widow's might to accomplish the same thing as the thousand dollars, right? Even so, God is able to use what we offer to him, what we offer back to him, in whatever way he pleases. So don't make the mistake of thinking that unless you have something amazing to give, you've got nothing. All right? The third sinful motive behind saying that we don't have anything to give is because we are holding too tightly to what we do have. Think of the parable of the talents here, right? In the parable of the talents, you've got the three men given five, one of them's given five talents, one of them's given two talents, one of them's given one talent, right? And the first to invest the money and make more money, and when the master returns, they give the increased value to their master. But the third man is too tight with what he has. And so he's not willing to give it up in order to serve the Lord. He's not willing to use the talent that God has given him for the purposes that God has given him the talent for, which is to increase it, right? So what do you have that the Lord has need of? Here we are, we're a small church and lots of work to do, right? And a lot of it is pretty boring, monotonous kind of work, like work tends to be, right? Set up the chairs, tear down the chairs, put out the wires, take down the wires, roll them up, put out the signs, take down the signs, lay out the bulletin, fold the bulletin, staple the bulletin, the work of any organization, but here we are, we're a church, right? And is that, does that require, does that require talents of you? Yeah, 
you have to use your skills that God has given you to accomplish these things. And, and some of them you think, well, anybody could do this. Right? Anybody can sit here and hit the right arrow through the service. It's true. There's a lot of very simple work, but God doesn't look down on the little talents that he's given you. He doesn't look down on the donkey and say, oh, well, you can't bring that. That's not, you know, that's not important enough. No, that's faithful service week in, week out. And so we shouldn't give begrudgingly of these little gifts. I mean, what, is it, what does it cost somebody to let Jesus borrow the donkey for a day? Really? Well, maybe he was going to take a load of, who knows what, grain, you know, over to the other town. And yeah, it's inconvenient to have to wait a day, right? And what does it cost you? Well, yeah, you've got to give up a couple hours here and a couple hours there, and it's inconvenient. And yet, what does God accomplish with that donkey? The triumphal entry of Jesus. What is God accomplishing by the little sacrifices and the little gifts that you've been given and that you're using for him? I think of mothers at home with little kids looking at all these little kids, right? Like I said, every job, you know, every work is just filled with work, right? And so, how many, how many poopy bottoms does it take in a day for it to feel like it's too many? It doesn't take too many before it feels like too many, does it? One. Got a finger. One. <laughs> yeah, but you're a dad. What's my point? Are we above these things? This is where our next error is. Instead, sometimes of having the inclination to say, oh, I don't have anything to give to God. I, you know, I'm, I'm damaged goods. Or I'm too stupid, or I'm too poor, or I'm too whatever. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm nothing, therefore I can't have anything to give to God. On the other hand, there's an opposite mistake that a lot of people make. And that's the inclination to say, I have great gifts to give to the Lord. Or I'm working on doing great things for God. I can't be bothered with these little piddly jobs like this? Don't you realize I have great gifts? And in that case, we're very proud of what we have and what we've done and what we've given. But if we have a proper understanding that all of these things have come from God in the first place, then we won't be so proud and so adamant that we have our gifts used exactly the way we think they need to be used. 1 Corinthians 4.7 says, For who makes you different from anyone else? 
What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? We don't boast about the great things that we've got to do. If we have great things to do, God gets all the glory for that. If God accomplishes great things through our setting up the chairs week in and week out, and and listen, you think I'm joking about that. I'm not joking about that. God accomplishes his will through those sorts of jobs. Through changing diapers, children are raised up in the faith. And so God desires our simple obedience above our great gifts. Don't be proud of what you've given. God can use the widow's mite and your neighbor's donkey to show you that he owns all things. Remember, to obey is better than sacrifice. So again, what do you have that the Lord has need of? When you think of the church or the spiritual work, quote unquote, all right, that is going on, um, you may get you may get way off track in answering this question. If you forget about the day-in, day-out work that you've been given and dismiss that as unimportant, you're missing the the whole point. This was just a little donkey, a beast of burden, carries a load, not even that big a load, really, from here to there. Right? So you've been given a certain amount of time by God. And you don't know how long that time is. Are you willing to use it for God's, fulfilling God's commands? Or do you have a really good excuse for holding your time too tightly? What about your money? Are you too rich to tithe or too poor to tithe? There's precious little space in between, right? Just right to tithe? It's like, well, there was one day where I think I made just the right amount of money where I could tithe. No, I'm very thankful for your giving, but let's treat, let's, let's remember that we've been given more than money, right? And we have to be generous in the same way with other things. And if, 
you are truly being generous with your money and not just sort of doing the thing that you feel like you have to do. If you're giving with a cheerful spirit, then that will help you. You'll be able to think about that. You know, I really enjoy giving money. I should enjoy giving my time, too. Or maybe you enjoy giving your time and you don't give your money. Learn from yourself. The places where you got this right is what I'm saying. Learn from watching other people who serve with joy and gladness. And remember that the Lord takes our small gifts given in faith and does amazing things with them. How much money have we given as a church? Not that much. It's not like we've got a lot of money as a church, right? And yet, what has God accomplished with that money? He's provided us with a fantastic building, with all kinds of equipment. And you think, well, you know, that's just because Walt and and the school district and the board and whoever makes these decisions, and I say, yeah. How many of you have ever heard of this happening before? I haven't. God's the one who provides, isn't he? And he can provide with a large amount of money or he can provide with a small amount of money. And so praise God for his provision. You need a sound system? Here, here's a sound system. You need a piano? Here, here's a piano. God, it provides for our needs. Are you waiting until you can give something worthwhile? Don't wait. Give the things God has asked for, not what you deem worthwhile. And then don't be, don't be grasping onto the things that God has given you and be unwilling for him to reclaim them for himself. This is where we discover where our idols are, right? Some people love their money too much and aren't willing to give it to make an idol of it. Some people love their children too much make an idol of their children. Are you unwilling to have God reclaim the son or daughter that he gave you? Trust him and his goodness. Remember Hannah giving up Samuel and what God accomplished through him and through her action, right? Maybe you're afraid that if you start once using your talents for him that there will be no end to the work. This is true. Our work of glorifying God with what he's given us continues 
into eternity, actually. And yet it gives us great joy to be able to serve him in this way. Or maybe you're afraid that if you use the talents God is asking for from you, that you won't be able to use the other more important talents. Well, I'm happy to set up all, but really, I think God has given me the gift of teaching. And there's better use of my time. Great, you can teach after you set up. (laughs) If you're asked. Right? We don't determine what it is that God's asking us to do, do we? God does. And so maybe you do have the gift of teaching, and maybe. What he's asking you to do is to give up teaching so that you can set up. Would that be such a terrible thing? Now, many of you have done this, especially you mothers that are staying at home and changing diapers. You make food clean up food, clean up the remains of food. And think of the world telling you all of the great things that you could be accomplishing, all the great things that you could be doing. And set aside for the second that these are children. There's there's nothing greater, okay, Even even from a worldly perspective. Set that off to the side. Is there anything greater than doing the work that God has called you to? There is nothing greater. Well, let me close with one final exhortation. If you think that God couldn't actually want you to be faithful with what he's given you, (laughs) and you will think that, that will be the temptation to think that way. Remember this donkey and its owner. Remember what God did with a nothing little donkey. And remember that all of creation was made for his glory. And that spans from bacteria to solar systems and from donkeys to palm trees. The least and greatest of things are all for his glory. And that includes our life and our work, our energy, our time and our money and our talents. 
They're all from him and for him. And when we use them in obedience to him, it will be his will that's being accomplished here on earth, which is our prayer. Let's pray.